1: of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. And I'm Grant. And if you're joining us for the very first time for this episode, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here to join us on this journey of discovering new and great and exciting music. If you like what you hear, and we hope you do, maybe you want to like and subscribe, leave us a review. Yes. Leave us a review. <laughs> if you want to pronounce it correctly or pronounce it incorrectly, it's fine. You're just reading it. Uh, go down in whatever platform you're listening on. Leave us a review and let us know what you like, what you don't like, so we can make this podcast better and bring you guys new music and better episodes and better quality content for you guys. If you want to get in contact with us for whatever reason or other good music lovers at Good music Podcast. On Facebook and Instagram is where you want to go. There will be information on new episodes and other fun stuff like that. If you really love good music and maybe you want to support the podcast monetarily for a couple bucks in exchange for some early content, some exclusive bad music podcast content, down to the link in the description, there's a link to a Patreon page. Dun, 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 dun. It's our Patreon page in case you didn't figure that out yet. And just for a few bucks a month, you get that stuff, and we really appreciate all our pot- uh, all our patrons. Whoa, this is not a good. You're having a, a... pronunciation night. Yeah, you're you're struggling already. I just came from. Well, let me finish this thought. Hold on. For a few bucks a month, you get that extra special access, and we thank all of our patrons for helping us make this happen. Anyway, <laughs> back to that. I just came from a physics journal club and we talked about like the james webb telescope and adaptive optics and it was just mind bending stuff in nerd you know what it was very exciting and i'm I'm a nerd too just not that kind of nerd some of my friends had to go because extra bonus points in their physics classes and so I was like, "Well, I'll go with you guys." And I also find some of the physics interesting, but some of it is really just mind-blowingly complicated and stuff. But we're gonna com- we're gonna talk about something not too complicated. I would consider it rather simple. Simple music.
0: Well, so before we get in, I've oh, I right. need to uh, I have to address the elephant in the room. It's the oh, fact that at the end of last episode. I said that we were going to do History of Music. And this has never happened to me before, but I just completely did not realize that we have five Mondays this January. And I thought it was already the end of the month. And Grant, at the end of last episode, told me, he was just like, hey, you know that there's five Mondays, right? And I was like, no. And then I looked and I was just like, oh, crap, he's right. And so I literally had, like, two days to put an episode together. I was just like, oh, no, I can't. What am I going to do? I can't. I can't. With the amount of research that I do for a band, I can't put something together in two days. And then I had a brilliant idea. What if I just do an episode on an artist that just has one album? Just one. But yet it's still good enough and important enough to warrant being on this uh, on this show. And I thought, the Sex Pistols. The there greatest one-album band of all time. <laughs> and in a strange way, maybe one of the most important
1: bands in music, period. Wow, that is, okay. You're going to have to provide some defense for a statement like
2: that. Mm-hmm. that I'm not one saying... Album...
1: I'm not saying one of the best although they were
0: good. That mm-hmm. that one album they made is an all-time classic. But I am talking about one of the most important bands of all time. Okay. And wow. this is this is something that I have always known and believed, but I kind of believed it more just on secondhand knowledge. Um it was when I actually got into the meat of the lives of the Sex Pistols and what they accomplished in their very short time together that I really understood that they earned all of the uh, all of the praise that was given to them. This is a band that literally threw not just music but the entire like social economy of England up on
1: its head. Oh. They didn't they didn't just affect music. They affected the country. They they pulled a rage against the machine.
0: Yeah, if rage against the machine was actually successful in doing what it was trying to do.
1: Oh. Man, tough love on Rage Against the Machine there.
0: I know. I mean, yeah, we we love those guys, but, you know, they didn't they didn't really like accomplish too much. Gotcha. So, but the Sex Pistols, man they uh they they lived what they spoke and they gathered a large portion of the country to follow them in their ideals i mean pretty much like the whole punk rock movement is thanks to them
1: wow so was that like their goal to start the social change and they just released the album to help them do that or was it just like so
0: It's, it's a very, it's, there's no like straight, simple answer. So first, well, first let's get into our, our first thoughts. So Grant coming into this episode, what is your knowledge and opinion about the Sex Pistols?
1: Anarchy in the UK. I like the Megadeth cover. Maybe, maybe you can be like, Oh, that's one of the worst covers in history, which is what you always do when I mention a cover that I like. Um. And so like, that's, that's kind of the lens that I view them through is like, oh, I know that one song by them. I've heard that they're like an important band, right? I didn't even know they were a one album band, to be honest with you. I had no idea that they were like this big social revolution kind of band. I think I like, I knew they were early punk stuff. I knew that like, oh, there was this reference on the 70s show. I'm like, ah, it's like it's kinda like the 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 harder music of the time. And so I knew enough to put them in musical context in like the whole tapestry of everything, but I don't know anything about them outside of that. That that's it. Also they're British, Anarchy in the UK, but I didn't know how British their accents were gonna show up in the music. So So
0: you had never heard the original before, you just knew nope. That it was, uh, that Megadeth did the cover,
1: and I th- I think Motley Crue did a live cover one time, and I listened. to Yeah, that.
0: Anarchy in the USA.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and I and obviously you know all, all three versions now that I've heard, I kind of like, and they're all in different ways, um, because it's such a simple song, it leads itself to stuff like that, um, and so they're good writers. I figured that part out, but. I never, never looked at their material. Like I never looked at the source material ever, never heard it maybe in passing, but never figured it out. But they, I knew they had this distinct thing about them because when I put on the first song, I got partway through and I was hearing the rhythm. Like, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like anarchy in the UK. I bet this is the sex pistols. And then, sure enough i looked at who it was after the after the thing played and i'm like yeah i was right it was the sex pistols they have they have this this sound about them it's like that early punk thing where it's just driving and whatever i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's just prevalent in all of the songs that rhythm or that whatever it is so and that that's a that's a pretty early thought I had in my understanding of the Sex Pistols, considering the fact that the first time I listened to them was today. I think I'll consider that a first thought. But other than that, that's it. So, I know you have a lot more to say because you were excited to do this this one.
0: Yes. This is... It's funny enough because before I found myself in this bind, this was an episode I was already kind of shopping and just going, I think that this can be a really cool and fun episode because most bands that are in this situation that just have one record, like are not going to get their own episode Mm -hmm. just because it's just, it's not enough. And I would say 99% of the bands with one album did not do enough with that one album to make any significant difference in the music world. Mm. I mean, this is, this is literally a, this is like a once in a lifetime thing this album was so big and so important that it single-handedly got them into the rock and roll hall of fame.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: So I mean, there you go.
0: Yeah. Like that's, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. So I, I had heard the sex pistols before I had heard uh, a lot of songs on that album. In various different places over the years, like I would say, I knew half of the album coming into this, wow. fairly decently, just just from my my past musical studies and and just awareness. Um, and I I understood to a certain extent where they fit in the timeline and understood. Uh, their importance again to a certain extent I didn't I really didn't quite know what I was getting myself into as far as like truly understanding how important they were until um, until I really started doing my homework and so I would say I would say that I was sitting at a six coming in because I I was one of those people that I would say I I like several of their songs and I deeply respect what they have done for music.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, there was definitely still a big part of the story that I was unaware of. So, and I'm, I'm not normally a punk rock guy because also um, fact about this episode, this is our first ever punk rock episode.
1: Our first ever true punk rock
0: I mean, we haven't really even had many episodes that are even sort of punk. I mean, I guess you could say that, you know, Thrash is an offshoot of punk. Um, You know, maybe something like Rage Against the Machine has punk elements to it. But there's we haven't really talked about any, like, proto-punk bands like the Stooges um, or any of the any of the pop punk stuff from the 90s and beyond i mean i guess again maybe something with like a little my chemical romance emo does have its has punk in its roots but i wouldn't say anything that like to where we could say like punk is one of the main fusions again i would say maybe the would be thrash
2: mm. yeah
0: so this we 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 haven't even really approached anything kind of similar to this yet which is which is always exciting but i say all that to say like i'm not really a punk music fan like some of the some of the bands that i dislike the most are punk bands and typically more of the modern punk bands like uh it's it's gonna likely be a thing that will we might never do a green day episode It's yeah. It's
1: that's one of those bands I just I can't stand them. And man, so now now that we lost ninety percent of our audience.
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't think anyone's asked us
0: to do one yet.
1: So
2: I think (laughs) we're still fine
0: there. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't really like, you know, stuff like Blink 182 and um and all that stuff. I haven't really like the more the really Hardcore punk stuff that, uh, you know, a lot of the fringe, um, some of the more metalcore and deathcore and all the cores I haven't mm-hmm. ever really liked before. Again, I'm not saying that that won't happen in the future, but it's definitely something that has n- not ever appealed to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really into like ska because reggae is another genre that I just, I can't ever get into. Mm -hmm. And, but the one soft spot of punk that I have is that first wave of like mid to late seventies punk music that has kind of always been like, if I'm going to like and listen to punk, that's what it's going to be. And so um, I do like, um i like the clash and the ramones and the damned and that kind of like again i won't say early because there were people that came before it that set the stage but like the the proper first wave mm-hmm.
1: so and that's where that's where they lost that's where
0: the sex pistols fit in is that like that period from like 76 to
1: 78. And when did they release their album?
0: 77 right in the middle, right at the right at the peak of the movement.
1: Ooh. So they but, they did kind of a they did kind of a Nirvana or I guess more like a Pearl Jam kind of rode the wave. Um no, like
0: they were right there at the beginning inspiring mm-hmm. all the other punk bands to get started. It's mm-hmm. just they had a long road to get that album released.
1: Okay, let's discuss the road. Well, let's, let's talk followed. about the people. Well, you got to have a car before you drive on the
0: road. That's true. We gotta we gotta talk about who the Sex Pistols are. So like, because we've got we've got two very famous, not just musicians but personalities like. um these these icons of music that come from the Sex Pistols. And I was curious if you knew
1: who the, the big two ones are. Um, no. Not off the top of my head. But if you said their names, there's a possibility.
0: So have you ever heard of Johnny Rotten? It rings a bell? Kind of. So Johnny Rotten is their front man. Okay. One of the most bizarre and entertaining figures I've ever witnessed mm-hmm. he is like completely unhinged but yet at the same time like has this like uh this refined like he's he's like the the gentleman barbarian he's really smart I mean he's the main lyricist of the band and his lyrics are very pointed it's yeah. not a it's not a caveman idiot that's writing these words. But yet also at the same time, he has no inhibitions. Like he is someone that is not afraid of anyone or anything and is going to go out of his way to expose you if you are being two-faced, hypocritical, or
1: um, or just anything that's not authentic. The, those lyrics really do kind of loop back on themselves and they go from mm-hmm. you know on the caveman to intellectual scale they go so far intellectual they come back to caveman because he's just so honest that there's like the best way to express what you want to express is to simply state it just say it <laughs> <laughs> just to say it it's so. yeah it's
0: so direct and yet at the same time there are layers to it it's 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 pretty incredible what he was able to do and uh after the sex pistols broke up he he formed another fairly successful band called public image limited which i've never listened to but i hear about all the time and it's one of those bands i know at some point i'm gonna need to uh educate myself on and he's been with that band for since the early 80s in in his view, that's what he's more proud of than what he did with the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Mainly just because he's very much an looking back and celebrating what's already happened. The reason he's he's always is going to champion what he does in public image limited is because he's still doing it.
1: It's lasted. Oh. Okay. He's oh. someone
0: that,
2: and they're still some, going.
0: Yeah, as far as I know, again, I haven't done any uh, intense um, study on Public Image Limited, but as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but as far as I know, they are still together. I know for sure that Johnny is still like active musically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other iconic member of the band is the bassist Sid Vicious.
1: Uh, With a name like that, you gotta be iconic.
0: Oh yeah. He's he's the infamous one of the band.
1: Yeah, I I saw some Wikipedia entries about some interesting uh, dealings he's gotten himself into. Are you googling him right now? I've I just have them comp- I just have the Wikipedia Sex Pistols page pulled up. Because we all know that Wikipedia is this wealth of knowledge. Okay. Yes, sort of. When you know nothing, it's a great place to start. Right
0: I, I will say, and this is not to be on my high horse, but I don't use Wikipedia for pretty much any of my research. The only thing that I use Wikipedia for is chart placement for songs and albums. So I want to preempt anyone that says, "Oh, you just you're <laughs> just looking up the Wikipedia page," and then this
1: is like, "No." I, I'm oh. looking up the Wikipedia page, but I don't do any of the actual research.
0: So, uh, so yeah, Sid Vicious. He, man, he's a notorious guy. First off, we'll we'll start off with a shocking statement. Okay, it's widely believed that he has not played on a single Sex Pistols release.
1: Oh, that is, that's pretty cool. Good for him. Wait, he just,
2: he didn't
0: know. even know how to play bass to begin with. Nice. He was. He's, he was pretty much hired for his image and his attitude, because he embodied he embodied the punk rock spirit, and uh, he he made attempts to learn to play, but just never got around to it, and so um, the whole thing with Nevermind the Bollocks, which is their only record, um, everyone knows that he it's it's public knowledge and and sourced correctly that he did not play most of that album. Whether or not he played at all is more of the, the debatable thing because there are lots of different competing uh, uh, testimonials, including by the people in the band themselves, about whether he played a little bit on a track here and there. No one is can really kind of keep the
1: story straight. So it's wow. kind
0: of one of those ones of I don't know maybe.
1: So he got like all this fame, didn't do anything.
0: No, he's dead. And oh. and died very shortly after the Sex Pistols broke up from a drug overdose.
1: Oh. Oh, well yeah, okay. Yep, here we go. Third paragraph. Okay.
0: So and and this also is what this is this is the most notorious aspect of Sid is one of the most iconic uh, duos in music is Sid and Nancy. Mm. So he had a girlfriend Nancy that was pretty much his drug dealer. It was it was it was very much a Kurt and Courtney relationship, okay. and it's it's actually and it's funny it's ironic because one of the first things Courtney Love did to gain popularity was she played Nancy in the Sid and Nancy biopic. Oh, wow. Uh, And Gary Oldman was Sid. And it's an (laughs) uncanny resemblance and representation. Wow. And then the fact that a lot of things kind of went the same, except for the fact that Courtney didn't die. So... Uh, Nancy was found in a hotel room one night, stabbed to death.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, um, of course, everyone, including the authorities, assumed that Sid did it. But Mm -hmm. he maintained, while he was still alive, that he didn't do it. So she died at the end of 1978. And he went to court, going to press charges, but they they put him in house arrest awaiting further trial and then a couple months later that's when he died of a drug overdose so that's another one of those mysteries that we don't know who killed Nancy it's a it's it's an unsolved case wow could have been said could not have been it could have been a uh, um, a drug related you know a deal gone wrong or some other thing it could have been a random break in like we don't know Mm -hmm. wow so and you know probably the one person who did know would have been Sid but that's also not confirmed that he actually did know anything Mm -hmm. it's a it's a weird bizarre setup and so so yeah that's that's a lot of the baggage that immediately comes with the sex pistols. Mm-hmm. Now, when that happened, the, the pistols had already broken up, but that pretty much ensured that, like, you know, they weren't coming back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, we also have some other people in the band to mention. We have um, uh, Steve Jones, who is the guitar player. And I would say the, uh, like, the people that are musicians, those that's the person they're going to gravitate to. He of everyone in the uh, in the group, he was the most legitimately good. <laughs> oh boy! Not to say that everyone else was bad, although even the band themselves will say that Sid was a was an awful musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like someone like Johnny, who was the perfect vocalist for the Pistols but he's not a conventionally good vocalist. He, and he's, and he would be the first one to admit that. Um, you've got uh, Steve Jones, who is like, who is an, a really great guitar player. Everyone that has worked with him said that he's probably the tightest guitar player that they've ever played with. Oh, and and he's the one that plays the majority of the bass, or all of it, depending on who you ask. On Nevermind.
1: Whoa! Like
0: and he's the also, Nirvana
1: Nevermind. Yeah,
0: which there's there there is some uh, there's some interesting comparisons that you can make, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that later. So, um, and he's the only guitarist, so that means that all the overdubs, like, because there's a lot of layered guitars on that record. Yeah. Like, it's 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 very much, like, stacked upon stacked upon stacked, so he played all of it. Mm-hmm. He is a legitimately great guitar player, and that was one of the, kind of one of the more interesting things to rec- recognize as I was listening and studying and as i was listening to other people in the music industry talk about him he was kind of like the one that everyone was just like oh yeah from a musician standpoint he was the best wow and he's gone on to do plenty of things in fact one of the side projects he ended up having was in the 90s he got into a uh into a band with um john taylor from duran duran
1: Ah uh, yes, this must be the short-lived supergroup Neurotic Outsiders. Ha <laughs> ha! Look at you. That. And there's some GNR. Uh, yeah, Duff McKagan is in there. Billy uh-huh. Idol. Wow. Yeah, it's it was just, it was definitely a supergroup. Yeah. Oh my. Didn't goodness. last very long, but.
2: Yeah.
0: It's definitely and and uh, John Taylor will say that the the record that got him wanting to be a musician was Anarchy in the UK. Wow. So I didn't intend for there to be like this very blatant c- connection to our previous episode, but <laughs> there it is. Wow. So, wow. Uh, yeah, every, every, just about everyone loves Steve Jones, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then you've got um, Paul Cook, who's the drummer. And pretty good drummer. And then you have, um, and then you have the original bassist. Um, I believe I believe it's Paul Matlock. I might have gotten the first name wrong. Glenn. Glenn Matlock. I knew it was Matlock. I just I blinked on the first name. Look at you! You're you're fact checking for me now. I
1: well, it's just. I might I might start doing that just so I can get a little bit more, a little bit more information. I can, I can, uh, I can cheat a little bit with the Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, um, so yeah, those are your main uh, supporting members. Um, Glenn Matlock is actually a very integral uh, part of the band as the first bass player. He was actually the guy that wrote a large portion of the music for that record. Like oh. he was, he was originally the main songwriter of the group. Now when I say songwriter, I mean like on the music standpoint mm-hmm. at the time, um, he was the only bona fide musician that knew like theory and, and various different chords. He, he used to get on Steve Jones nerves cause he would try and show him Beatle chords. <sighs> And and Steve was just like, "What? I don't have any use for this. Why are you showing me this?" Yeah, he's like, "All I need is a good power cord." True. And so, um, but yeah, so those are your those are your key um, members.
1: So so now that's weird, like because Glenn wrote all their stuff. Their stuff obviously got popular. And then they got rid of them. Yes. Well,
0: they didn't necessarily get it was it was a mutual parting of ways. Oh, he right. wanted to leave, and they wanted him to leave. Particularly, mm. him and Johnny got to the point to where they couldn't get along anymore. And Glenn was not a was not a a die hard punk guy like the rest of them were. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a a bit he was like the normal guy in the group and he got mm-hmm. teased so much by the rest of the band for being a normal. like they were fun of him because he showered every day. Oh. Like they thought they and not make fun of him like in a, you know, like a brotherly joke like like were mean to him, just like you poser. You shower every day. You get home, you get back to your hotel room from a gig, and you wash yourself. That's so unpunk.
1: Wow. Okay, so that raises the question: What is punk in this context? Oh yeah, isn't that a loaded question? I and mean, you gotta, you gotta answer it if you're gonna talk about a punk band. So punk is means multiple things. First off, on
0: a musical standpoint, it was a reaction to all of the big conceptual rock music that was going that really had reached critical mass by the mid seventies. Um, this was when prog rock was at its most bloated. This is when you had you know your big bands were Zeppelin. And Skinner, like, people that were getting huge off of, like, seven, eight, nine-minute songs. Mm-hmm. The overindulgence of music to where, you know, you had to have, like, a college degree in theory in order to even pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> to where it, it had gotten so high conceptual, um, like, something, something like Bohemian Rhapsody was, like, the complete antithesis to what punk was trying to achieve. Punk was an attempt to go back to the roots to not just musically, but also the attitude of it because it's, it feels tame to us now. But when you go back to the 50s, like rock and roll felt dangerous. There was this sense of scandal and of like, you know, this, this is, this was going to upset the establishment. It's why, um, the powers that be in America tried so hard and eventually were successful in, in ending the first wave of rock music. Wow. wow! And so, um, you know, because they, they felt that the music was, was damaging the youth and the Beatles were never really accused of that, except for, you know, the odd thing, you know, saying that we're more popular in Jesus, that wasn't a good move, but it didn't, it didn't create this worldwide sense of the Beatles are going to, and rock and roll is going to destroy our youth. Hmm. But that's originally how people viewed rock. It was, it was, it was so sexual. It was so, um, it was so violent. It was, you know, anti-authority. It You know, that's, that's the feeling that people had about rock and roll back in the early days. And so there was this feeling of rock not only has become too big and too full of itself, but it's also become so safe sounding. It's, you know, um, Johnny Rotten was saying, was like, you, you hear rock and roll being played in airports. Does it get more, uh, more devolved than that? Yeah. Remember, remember when rock stood for something, when it was a, a defiant push against the social norm. And so and so part of punk on a musical standpoint is, you know, let's let's strip away all of the unnecessary things and take it back to simply what's absolutely necessary. And then let's add a sense of a sense of danger and excitement to it. So that's where you've got people that are playing really fast. You've got lyrics that are shocking. Even, I would say by the time you get to the 70s and this punk rock movie, it's kind of when you f- first start to have lyrics that are just like, okay, that's, a, that's even kind of shocking today. Especially some of the stuff in some of these songs from the Sex Pistols.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, and then you've got the whole sociological, political aspect to it. So you had two punk scenes. You had the American punk scene which was very much spearheaded by the Ramones because the Ramones were a New York band. And really they were the first big punk band, but they they were more about like the lifestyle and it wasn't as much about the danger. It was just, it was, they kind of more spearheaded the music of it. And there were also still fairly decent musicians. By the time you get to England and that's where the real big punk scene exploded, there are, there are more great iconic, uh, British punk groups of that time than there are American. And, the Sex Pistols proved a point by saying that you don't have to be – you don't even have to know how to play your instrument in order to be in a successful band.
1: That's a good that point. Was something
0: that, that was something they prided it on. It's just like we don't know how to play, and look and look what we did. We, we still figured out a way to, to get our music out there and to become the biggest band in the world, or at least in England. And, um, and England in the, in the seventies was, it was a pretty awful time. That's not like, you know, conjecture or opinion like that is well documented that the seventies and the early eighties in England was a pretty horrible time. It was, um, a lot of the policies, the taxation, the just the, the all-around poverty and joblessness, uh, the unemployment. There were garbage strikes, like all the stuff that you that you see, like in the Joker, about the all the garbage piling high. That actually happened in in England, and there's pictures of trash lining the streets that are literally ten feet high. Wow. And um, and just. There was a lot of social unrest. And so it was the the breeding ground was already uh, ripe. So when the sex pistols came and started seeing about the things that everybody was feeling, it caused this chain reaction. Oh. and the oh, the okay. the entire punk look also comes from the sex pistols the whole idea of the safety pins and the and the mohawks and the 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 clothes and the dyeing your hair the 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 whole idea of looking like you are trying to look like you're from another planet by by combining mm. the weirdest mismatch of of ratty looking secondhand clothes, it was all in an attempt to uh, to bring awareness to the fact that England was a crap to live at that moment in time. Okay, okay, and for and for people to start finally standing up and doing something. There was just, and, and as also just as an outlet for all of the anger and frustration that not only the band felt, but that they knew that their listeners felt as well. It was a primal pushback against all of the oppression that they felt during that time.
1: Okay. So it's, 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 it sounds like they're, it sounds like they wouldn't take
0: themselves too seriously. No, and they didn't. And it's it's really interesting, and this is where the genius of, of, of old Rotten starts to come in. He felt that the best way to show how utterly ridiculous everything had gotten was to completely play it for a joke. and yet at the same time, feel like he is deadly serious it almost feels like a contradiction and yet he pulls it off in a way that is so perfect that he he's able to to carry across the message perfectly he um, he's mocking the idea of the the sex god perfectly formed perfectly worded and moving rock front man Mm -hmm. And, and kind of almost becoming like this intentionally misshapen gargoyle of a human that's saying like, I am everything that the, that the, that they're not. I'm everything that is opposite of what the main media and the record labels and everyone is going to tell you is what a rock front man is supposed to be. And I'm still going to make it. I'm still going to, uh, And I'm still going to make a, make a statement.
2: Hmm. Wow.
0: And a big part of that was the fact that he did not carry himself in this, like this very choreographed, very intentional way of speaking and uh, moving around the stage and his posture and his banter with the audience. Like, It was, it was very much a, it was, it was a, the whole thing was in a big middle finger to everything that was deemed acceptable at that time. And all in pretty much all levels of society. And people just ate it up. Oh yeah. Because again, they, it wasn't a small fringe of people with a, with a radical set of ideas. There was a very large Uh, series of unrest in the country at that time and so the whole idea of the punk movement was not that it has to sound this particular way or that it has to look this particular way that was the way that they looked and the whole point was that you don't have to adhere to this specific set of rules you can do it however you want and everyone should accept you the way that you are But the unintended consequence of that is everyone assumed then that the way that the sex pistols were doing it was the way that it had to be done. Mm. They they became the very thing that they swore to destroy. (laughs) They didn't intend for there to be a punk look. They just wanted people to look outrageous and to throw off the norms of what beautiful and acceptable looks like. But instead what started to happen is everyone started to look the same. Everyone bought into the, the punk aesthetic. Everyone started getting Mohawks. Everyone started putting safety pins in their ears. You know, it, it, the, when the posers and the, 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 the trends, the trend chasers got a hold of punk rock they almost hijacked it and made it their thing. And the Sex Pistols were very quick to realize that this was happening and immediately start pushing back against it. In what way? In the sense that they started moving away from it and saying, no, this is not what you have to do. They started railing against all the other punk bands that started popping up saying that we're going to be just like the sex pistols. And they started calling them phonies and sellouts because punk all of a sudden became marketable and profitable. And that was the very thing that they were trying to work against. And so they got very critical and very upset of their ideas being uh, franchised
1: wow okay man you 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 prefaced this thing with the fact that this whole research has been a gold mine we're like we're not really even talking about their music i can't
0: believe that yeah i mean just the, again the pure social and political ramifications of what they did so let's talk about on the political side so okay. um I would say that no government in history has ever been more threatened or terrified of a band than the English government was of the Sex
2: Pistols. (laughs) Rock and roll.
0: I mean, they were were horrified, and they legitimately thought that the Sex Pistols were going to dismantle modern
1: society. Roger Waters would be proud.
0: Yes. All what... All the things that these other bands have attempted to do, I still say that the Sex Pistols got closest to legitimately up- upsetting the establishment. Let's, and we're going to talk more in detail about this song when we get to it, but let's, I, I do want to give some context about the importance of a song like God Save the Queen. Okay. God Save the Queen was such an effective, popular and polarizing song pretty much the it was released during the same week as the queen's 25th anniversary of being on the throne (laughs) and so it was a week where the entire country was celebrating the queen and then this song comes out and it goes to number one in the uk courts. But, and, and this, this is what's so hilarious. All of the press, they were, they saw this song coming and they pretty much threatened all of the radio broadcasts and all the TV broadcasts. You are not allowed to play this song. This song is, is banned. We will bribe you if necessary. Do not play this song. It cannot get popular because they saw at that point that the Sex Pistols were rising in popularity Mm -hmm. and they're like if this song hits big like it's over we're done Mm -hmm. the revolution has begun in a way (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so when it went to number one they actually put it at number two and then completely blocked out the name from the list like if you look at an authentic report from that year you will see Rod Stewart at number one, which the numbers have gone back and have shown that that was intentionally uh, modified to where the Sex Pistols were not at the number one spot, even though they did sell more records than Rod did that week.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then if you look at the number two spot, it's completely blank. No artist, no name, no chart position, nothing. It's gone. Well,
1: that's just kind of... That's a little suspicious. Yeah. They should have just moved everything else up and like hit it better than that. Anyway, I don't know. Because I mean, to a certain extent, they
0: couldn't completely, because everyone, when everyone looked at it, they knew what it was because it was the biggest song in the country. Right. They just didn't want to give them the satisfaction of printing the name itself. And then they would Mm -hmm. hope at least that they could fudge with the numbers and say, well, it didn't go to number one, at least but uh, but the but history shows that it actually did.
1: Wow. Well, was it even close?
0: Um I haven't seen the exact numbers, but um I'm pretty sure that it was it wasn't like a tight, you know, it could go either way situation. Wow. Like it was a legitimate phenomenon. And that was when they were they were at the peak of their powers, you could say.
1: You can't kill rock and roll. No,
0: man. They and they sure did try. Yeah. So yeah, wow. it is. It is. It is fascinating that they were so scared of what this band represented, what what their followers could do, that they were like, "We have to kill this song at all costs. This cannot." Make it.
1: That's intense. When's,
0: when's the when's the last time you've heard of something like that happening?
1: I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that happening. Certainly, certainly not in a musical sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in like 2112, but like, that's a song that's made up, right? Maybe in yeah. like a book that was written like made up. This is the type of stuff that you're like you you put in the in the really boring like dystopian novel type of thing where it's like, oh, there's this oppressive regime, we're gonna release this song and start a revolution. And then it like that's how that's how the book ends and like everybody like freedom. That was a really bad way of explaining what I was thinking. I think everybody like can can maybe understand my caveman grunts and figure out what I'm trying to convey. <laughs> but Ugh. but yeah, like no, I've I've never heard of anything happening like that. And gosh, to be so scared of like music of a song that really that really sucks from a from a a governmental perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, which, whichever way you cut it, right? I'm sure there are people who view time periods in history like this from either side. But if you're if you if you're objective about it, if a person sitting in government and you're afraid of a song, you know that's that's a very powerless position to be in,
2: mm-hmm. especially in when it's... man. To yeah. to say
1: to say things like "I want anarchy," oh boy. Yeah. The fascist regime. She
0: ain't no human being. There's no future for you and me. Boy. Mm -hmm. The ramifications of that. But it shows that they had the message that everyone wanted and needed to hear.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So there's one other character we need to talk about and it's the man that that made the Sex Pistols and at the end of the day were the ones that destroyed the Sex Pistols. Okay. That's a man named Malcolm McLaren. One of another one of the most infamous people in in music. Probably okay. someone who is simultaneously the one of the best and one of the worst managers of all time. <sighs> okay. Because the way that he built the Sex Pistols and the way that he got them famous, I mean, it was ingenious. No one had ever done it that way before. And the way he did it was the fact that he advertised and pushed them on the fact that these these guys are pretty much idiots. They don't know how to play. They are a menace to society, and they're going to destroy everything. You should go check them out.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: He would... Reports would say that he would get worried when he learned that they were getting better at their instruments. Oh, he didn't want them to. He he wanted to create this image of these of these anti-rock stars in every possible sense. Mm-hmm. And he was a master manipulator. He was one of the biggest reasons in the end that Glenn Matlock got fired or was created the situation where they both parted ways Yeah. because it was later found out as after Glenn and Johnny talked to each other, they were, they realized that it was a situation and were like, well, Glenn said, or well, Malcolm said that you said this. Well, Malcolm told me that you said this, like he engineered the fallout in order to get rid of the person that in his mind was holding them back, getting, getting rid of the, of the one that wasn't a real punk. Oh my. Like he is, he is the Machiavelli of, of the music world. It worked
1: though. It did. Oh my goodness. That's weird. we,
0: We still haven't talked about the moment that, that made the Sex Pistols superstars. Okay. And that's the, their appearance on the Bill Grundy show which was one of the large wealth of uh, music talk variety. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go through all these shows whenever you start to have a hit single and, you know, you mind the performance on stage. And then depending on the show, you'll go and talk with the host. And, you know, it's a it's a way to get you in front of a larger audience than you had before. Especially if, they, if there's a sense that you're on the rise. Mm-hmm. So um, Anarchy in the UK was their first single. And it immediately was starting to um, gain popularity. And the punk movement was still fairly nascent at this point. This was in 76. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't fully understand the, um, the resolve of this movement and so um so they got put on this show and before the show uh steve jones got hammered just insanely drunk mm-hmm. and they go to the interview section afterward and um bill grundy the the uh, the host was also intoxicated not as much as steve jones but enough to where he was a little more antagonistic than he normally would be and he starts pushing them he starts pushing their buttons he starts like making fun of them and saying just like well what do you what do you do you listen to beethoven do you listen to moat kind of like insulting him saying like of course you don't i just want to hear you flounder and go uh what's mozart like mm-hmm. that's in his mind what he thought would happen and Johnny fires back and under his breath uh, says shit and on live television and, mm-hmm. and Grundy says, what did you say? And Johnny says, nothing, a rude word. Next question. He said, no, tell me, what did you say? And Johnny just looks at him and just says it right there, full volume, right to his face. And then, <laughs> Uh, apparently there was a delay, so he was just like, "Okay, you've got another five seconds before you're off the air. Say something else." And that's when Steve Jones just starts dropping f bombs all over the place. Ugh. Nothing like that had ever been done on British live television before. Wow! He started calling him an effing wanker and you effing bastard, and just you know. And then right after that, the the feed was cut. And Malcolm said that at that moment he was actually terrified because he was just like, this is nothing like this had ever happened before. Like, are we going to get arrested? What's, what's going to happen? What ended up happening was that they were all over the headlines the next day. And once that happened, boom, their reputation skyrocketed.
1: Yeah. I bet people kind of liked that because that was a little like, and a lot
0: of people hated it, but it didn't matter. Now everybody knew who they were and what they stood for. That's good. Yeah, it's, that's true. They were infamous. And in some ways, especially if you're a punk rocker, that can be a little bit better than being famous. No no press is bad press if you're the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of – that was like their defining moment when all of a sudden, okay, now, now – it's it's our turn now we're the now we're the most talked about band in the country let's do something with it wow and um at the time they were signed with emi records and once that happened emi dropped them Hmm. uh but sex pistols got quite rich off of it because they were on a two-year contract and they were only with them for two months and they just decided, I was just like, oh no, we this is already going to be a bad situation. We need to cut ties. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so they paid them like twenty five thousand dollars or twenty five thousand pounds, whatever that equates to, to say we're going to get you out of your contract. So they actually made money off of the deal, but it you know the downside was is that they couldn't make any more music with them until they found another label. Mm-hmm. And then they signed with a Records. And like after a couple days, they got dropped and were once again paid a large sum of money to break their contract. <laughs> this and sounds so, like a
1: fantastic deal for them. I
0: know. And so that's the, the joke was, is that I was just like, we're not making a record and yet we're we're making money. We're, in a way, we're conning them we're stealing from right from under their noses. That's and it's just and it's just us being who who we are, and these record companies keep thinking that they can come in and tell us what to do. No, you can't tell us what to do. We're the Sex Pistols. We're gonna do what we want. And if you can't handle it, then F off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Yeah punk rock punk rock so i'm seeing a very particular uh response to their induction into the rock and roll hall of fame
0: oh yeah that was a hilarious moment
1: uh, that, that is so cool man i've honestly I've... do you have it pulled up right now I no, I don't have the.
0: I don't have the video. It's a little. Not the video, but do you do you have where you can see the letter that they wrote?
1: I don't have the whole thing, but I can get it real quick. Um, but if you want, you can read that out loud for our audience. I've just, I've just had, like, no, I don't, I don't, I can't find it. (laughs) It's behind some paywall somehow. I don't know. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, the the uh, the link that they have on on wikipedia anyway but i've had i've had like dreams where i'm like this big rock or metal star or whatever and i get inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame Ooh, metal star sounds like a good band name and i'm like man i don't want to go to this induction ceremony because i really hate the rock and roll hall of fame and everybody's like you know because like that's kind of at the end of the day that's what i've feel like i don't really like it when and i get it like our listeners love that stuff and you love that stuff and it's like i have a love-hate relationship but yeah but it's like at the end of the day you're like oh who's gonna get in this year you know and it's 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 exciting stuff for some people i don't should be getting nominations any day now for this next year right I, i don't like it at all honestly because like the whole idea of it because you have musicians who at the end of the day like they want to be artists like the the real musicians like they want to just be what they are and you know some of them put tons and tons and t- of time into these songs that not a lot of people are going to hear and it's something that they're very proud of and there are other musicians that you know put a lot of time into the right kind of genre that's popular at the time, and they get all the fame and whatever. And you know, somebody may have missed, somebody may have missed the trend by a few years and wrote something that was fantastic that nobody ever listens to and they don't get famous, but I don't know. And, and so reading that little blurb about how they refused to attend the ceremony, calling the museum a piss stain, I don't know if that's what you were specifically referencing. Yeah. uh uh-huh. But that just kind of, in a weird way, that warms my heart to know that somebody is standing up for all the artists that don't make it in, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that deserve it.
0: Well, and the, the other great thing about that moment is the fact that after all these years, after their legacy has grown to where, you know, they are... They they've entered the realm of becoming icons. Like they still have the same attitude. Like they're not all of a sudden now in their older age. Just like, oh well, we're just so thrilled to have this honor. Like it's still the same. Like you're a bunch of idiots. You're all sheep. You have no idea what you're doing. You're morons, and we are not going to put up with you. Goodbye.
1: So are they technically in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh yeah, they can't.
0: Okay. They can't stop themselves from being in it. They just, they didn't go and they decided to, and the, the funny thing is, is that like everyone's laughing during that while the guy is reading the note. And I think it's just like either they are laughing at the rock hall or they don't understand that, that, the Sex Pistols are being completely serious and that they think that they're just continuing to play the the role that made them famous. Either way, the Rock Hall did not come out of that situation looking good. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: So, um, so yeah, uh, right after so finally in 77, Nevermind the Bollocks got released. And that also was met with tons of backlash, tons of pushback. The fact that the word bollocks was in the title caused a big uproar. in And they were demanding that they censor it. And Johnny said, I'm using, like they said, why, you know, why do you have to use such offensive language? And he said, I didn't realize that our language was offensive. I speak the English language. And you're going to tell me what words in that language that we all speak that I can and can't say? No, that's not your right. That's my right. And so, once again, just like in uh, with God Save the Queen, we had a new album that was completely blank on the album charts. Wow. Like they they say that they look back and I was just like if you look at the reports from that week there was no number one there the number one spot is just completely empty but everyone knew what it was it was us
2: mm-hmm.
0: wow so um, now to talk about and this will be the last thing I'll I'll talk about before we go to our next segment because I can already tell that this is this is starting to run long
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: Um, right after the the album comes out, their reputation became so notorious that nowhere in England was willing to let them play. Oh. And so they decided, well, hey, punk is starting to get really big over in the US and we're starting to get some notoriety there. Let's go do a tour there. And that's kind of the the moment when everything crashed and burned. Um, By that point, Sid was fully in the band, not that he wasn't before, but like he, he was, he wasn't any kind of active member up to that point. Now he was fully in the lineup and he immediately got hooked on heroin and just spot and, and, and Malcolm McLaren was the one that was, that was getting him access to it. And it pissed Johnny Rotten off so much because of all the bandmates. He was the one that brought Sid Vicious in because Sid was a uh, was one of their OG fans. Like he was, before he became a part of the Sex Pistols, he was the Sex Pistols' biggest fan. Went to every single one of their shows. Um, despite his lack of musical ability, there is something very important that... Uh, that he invented, and that was moshing. Wow. Now, again, I say the word invent loosely because there's always going to be someone that has done something before, but he was kind of the one that brought it to the punk uh, atmosphere and environment, and then it spread to the other genres. Because he said that he was so tired of not being able to see what was going on on stage that he would just thrash around and blast people out of his way so that way he would have a clear shot to the stage and then it just evolved from there wow okay but um he he just started going way downhill and and malcolm was doing pretty horrible things to the band uh he would take the money that they were supposed to have for uh for hotel rooms and would just keep it for themselves, and they would have no hotel room to go. They would go to the hotel that they were told that they were supposed to be staying at, and they would say, You have no reservation here. And they would have to like scrounge what little money they personally had and go to like a cheap flea bag motel.
1: It's very uncool.
0: Yeah. And they were just like, you know. This money that we should be earning, Malcolm is keeping for himself, and he's intentionally manipulating the situation where he comes out on top without having to do any of the hard work, without having to be in the middle of the action. We're getting spat upon. We're having things thrown at us from the audience. Like um, After God Save the Queen came out in England, they started getting attacked in the street by people that were – Um, monarch supportists loyalists and they were just like it has become so dangerous and so scary to be a sex pistol and then at the end of the day the guy that's supposed to be taking care of us is completely screwing us over and finally one day uh, Johnny Rodden was just like I quit I'm done I don't want any more of this Mm-hmm. and that was it and they have all in retrospect said if we had gotten rid of Malcolm we the band could have survived but it it just in the end it became so un, it became so impossible for us to continue what we were doing and so we just we had to call it quits yeah and then right after that, the Sid and Nancy thing happened. And you know, that that was almost like the uh, the ultimat of the punk rock movement, which if you don't know what ultimat is, that was the uh, the the American festival at the very end of the 60s where the Hells Angels uh, stabbed a guy to death in the middle of the Rolling Stones performance. And it was kind of like that moment where like all the, the peace and love and the change that the hippie movement was trying to bring like all of a sudden came to like this horrific nightmarish
1: end wow okay so I didn't know about that oh boy oh boy okay this is a lot this is a lot of things to take in yeah again I, I literally <laughs> learned all this in like two days this is a this is a lot to take in. This is a lot of a lot of it's very intense. Heavy yeah. heavy episode. Mhm. But at Let's the same time some heavy music to accompany the heavy episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, just again, at the end of the day, this is the, I think this is one of the most fascinating stories in music. The rise of the the rise and the fall of the Sex
1: Pistols. Just just an enigma really.
0: It really is, but I mean, man, they they sure did something. So we're gonna take a break here. When we come back, we are going to talk about the six songs that we have selected to talk about in this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back
1: here at the Good Music Podcast, we are all about new and exciting music. Check out Nia Nichols new single If You Wanna Sign. Spotify link in the description.
2: You, how could you not know? If I found you first, maybe we'd be together, but I can't take that first step and ruin this forever. But if you don't
1: want me. Welcome back. Everyone to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about the rise and fall of the Sex Pistols for quite a long time. There's a lot of stuff that we talked about. And there's still more to talk about in our six songs segment. One of our favorite parts of this podcast where we look at six songs of the artist to talk more about their music, more about different things that we wouldn't touch on in the other section And just to provide a great listening experience for you guys. So if you want to listen to these songs, which definitely, definitely you should. That's the whole point of the podcast, if you haven't figured that out yet. Down in the description of every single episode is a link to a Spotify playlist. In that Spotify playlist has every song from every episode, including these songs. So you'll be sure to check that out. And if there's other songs on that list, that you're kind of interested in, or other bands, we have an episode on that song and on that band, so be sure to check that out as well. And without any further ado, let's get into our first song. All of these are, of course, off of Nevermind the Bullocks, here's the Sex Pistols. First song, Holidays in the Sun. Yes, this is the album opener. Wow. So there you go. It wasn't... I. I guess you couldn't say it was everybody's introduction to the Sex Pistols, because it wasn't. No. But uh, if you're kind of riding on the the bandwagon, I guess it would be. You just bought the album. So, obviously, like, first from the first play, you have the very lo-fi, boots-marching sound effect. So you know, if you don't know who this is, it's obviously there's this retro band. We're looking way far into the past and it's going to be a very Very. uh, uh, like a social what I want to say. It's going to be a band like the Sex Pistols that's going to have a lot of social commentary. Commentary, that's the word I'm looking for. And then just a bunch of power chords. Yeah, but man,
0: a freaking thick uh,
1: guitar sound. Yeah! Oh my gosh! Right from the get go! Wow! I mean, big open chords, just na 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 na. Yeah, yeah. They the the one of the things that
0: makes up the Sex Pistols sound is that is that combination of the high and low octave guitar playing together.
1: Oh, good point.
2: And
0: that's 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 that comes from them themselves of saying like that's that's what we believe to be the Sex Pistols signature sound is we've got these very simple riffs that are, that are stacked upon each other with a high and low octave to just give
1: it this insane amount of power. It works. It works. I mean, that's why, that's why power chords are so heavy in the first place. You got the bass and the guitar doubling, and then you add that third octave with that overdubbed guitar, and it's just, woo, man, it is big. It's a big sound kick you right in the pants right from right from the beginning Mm
2: -hmm. and then
1: of course you have like such a simple composition behind it it's almost mind-numbing and you listen to the vocals and it's just so poorly executed that if you're like oh my gosh is this the good music podcast without having the context that we had at the beginning of the episode of like they're a reactionary band you'd say oh my gosh this music is so bad (laughs) You know, but... I don't
0: know. I don't feel like there's... Despite the things that on paper should say that they're bad, it is one of those things where when you hear it, I feel like you immediately understand what it is that they're doing. I don't think it's as much of a, like, it's something that's an acquired... There's going to be some people that will never enjoy or like this kind of music. Yeah. But... I don't think it's one of those things to where the major. there's a reason why they got so insanely big, and it's because, like, there was an immediate appeal to what they were doing. Again, everything on paper should say that it shouldn't work, but as soon as you hear this first song, you're all of a sudden struck with this fact of just like, wow, there's something going on here. There's something special, yes. almost alchemical happening. It's lightning was- in a bottle,
1: it's, it's infectious is what it is. It's like you don't... From the very beginning, even if you don't want to like it, you have no choice. <laughs> because it's so... It's so primal in a way. Yeah. That it's like, There's... yeah, okay, we have nice, big, distorted guitars. We have a vocalist that sounds very unique and very, like, raw. No one sounds like that. It's, yeah, the, the whole thing screams like even today, there's nothing that sounds
0: like this album. It, yeah. even in the punk world, like, no other punk record has managed to quite sound like the Sex Pistols. It has forever remained its own unique thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. just, again, wow. I think that as soon as it comes in, you're, you're realizing that you're listening to something
1: that you've never heard before yeah and yeah, I, think I mean like like works think about the other stuff that was out in 1976 it didn't sound like this Mm-mm. it didn't sound like this and again and, you, and,
0: even, you, you even listen to this. a lot of the punk of that time because what's very interesting about the sex pistols is that they they didn't play super fast like all the other punk bands did they mm. um they actually played all of their songs are fairly mid-tempo there's some times where it gets like kind of fast but it doesn't get to you know the like how like say like the ramones the ramones played very fast even though what they were playing was simple it was still kind of difficult because you had to have very good speed to pull it off same thing with the clash and a lot of the uh a lot of the punk bands of that time and the Sex mm-hmm. Pistols rarely ever played fast. You could make the argument that they didn't have the ability to play fast but I think it's also because that wasn't the point for them. Yeah. there There is an inherent amount of groove and it's, it's a groove that can kind of almost be accomplished by somewhat players
2: Mm -hmm. because what
1: what you're feeling is completely authentic right it's just it's just makes you want to headbang a little bit Mm -hmm. and like what what gets you moving gets you moving you don't have to learn these complex time signatures and theory and crazy notes and fast scales and whatever and you can do that and you can turn that into something real real groovy i mean we talk about that type of music all the time but this is, like, four chords over and over again. It, like, doesn't really change key for anything. But still, it's... And it's mid-tempo. It's not even like they're doing anything crazy with the tempo. And yet it's still like, oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Fists in the air. Kind of kind of groove. It's anthemic. It is. Oh, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Because everything's in major. Oh, Yeah. Which is so weird that uh, something so negative would be put in, like, a a major key. And that really adds to the F you, I don't care attitude. Mm Because if you cared and these social issues made you sad, you would be writing in minor. But it doesn't make you sad because you literally don't care. So we're going to stay in major.
0: But it's also not, yeah, it's also not minor in the sense, like, it's really angry. Right. It's it's a it's it's really weird. And mm-hmm. it's very impressive the way that they pulled it off.
1: Yeah. And they were not thinking about this at all. <laughs> well, Here we are over their songs. Yeah. But so what is the holiday in the sun? So um this
0: was written shortly after uh, Glenn left the band and Sid came in. Um, they were this, and this, I believe this was written a little bit after, uh, God Save the Queen came out because they, this was, so this would have been one of the last songs written for the record. And they were trying to get away from the insanity of every, the whole aftermath. And so they went to Berlin and this is the time during the cold war. So there's the Berlin wall, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, for a punk rocker, that's going to be prime material yeah and so the whole idea is about how it's not just england that's a really crappy place to live like the entire world is crappy
2: mm-hmm.
0: like you know just talking about how both sides of the berlin wall are looking at each other saying what a what a crap hole of a place to stay i think i might like my side better hmm because you know he's just he's he said that he got this impression looking at the Berlin Wall saying, you know I'm on this side of the wall wondering what kind of cr-
2: over there, and I, I bet the Russians are looking over, over on our side of, of the
0: wall, th- just going I wonder what crappy life they're living over there. Mm-hmm. And so he just he he's he's just, he's contemplating that idea.
1: Yeah. Wow. A a very opposite point of view from grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. Grass is always more desolate or browner or whatever. Yeah.
0: I got to go over the wall is what what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't want to be on this side of the wall. I want to go on the other side
1: of the wall. It's It's probably a little bit better there. What do you, well okay so what do you mean because if he's looking at the other side saying man i bet they think it's real crappy over here and i think it's real crappy over there then why go why go over to the other side because he's he's saying that again the, but he's
0: saying like the at the other side that they're thinking the same thing i'm staring at them they're staring at me like he's he's saying like it's a no win. The whole the whole world is screwed.
2: Yeah.
0: You know what? We're trying to get to the other side of the wall, but we're just gonna find the same thing.
1: Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. Wow, talk about pessimism. Mm-hmm. The glass is never full. <laughs> oh boy. That's that's pretty simple, though.
2: Yeah,
0: and so and and definitely this is again this is kind of uh, this is coming in on the the heels of already them experiencing the dark side of fame and Mm -hmm. the and starting to experience the machine of the music business and like this is this is really when perhaps they're starting to realize that they're not going to be able to perhaps accomplish everything that they're wanting to accomplish that maybe change will never happen
1: that's sad that's sad for a for a revolutionary to think that
0: yeah but man does it sound pretty
1: awesome it does sound really awesome when you put it on tape man wow good point good point so after our holiday in the sun, I don't know how to turn this into a pun without making it gruesome. Should we that turn wasn't... it into a pun? Is the question. That wasn't really that wasn't really a rhyme, but yeah, we're gonna not turn it into a pun. The next song is bodies, not the "Let the bodies hit the floor" bodies, <laughs> but the... well, I would
0: say this bodies is
1: is much superior. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment so here we go so what what are we talking about here unless we don't want to talk about it <laughs> uh, I mean we're it's talking about abortion ah uh, there we go all the bodies she
0: was a girl from Birmingham she just had an abortion she was case of insanity her name was Pauline she lived in a tree okay. so he said that this is this is based on a real uh, thing that happened to him. He said that there was a girl named Pauline that stalked the band constantly and was a schizophrenic and that one day she showed up on his doorstep with a uh, a like a plastic see-through bag and there was a fetus inside of it. Mm. And he was just like, okay I just got an idea for a
1: song. <laughs> wow. Wow, so, that, that can be kind of traumatizing. Yeah,
0: it's uh, so pretty much he's uh, he's he said that he's not taking any stance on this as far as whether you should be pro-life, pro-choice. We're not going to even try and touch that debate here tonight. I've I've That's, said. That many sounds like something that,
1: for a, for a Dream Theater song. Well, that's uh, stem cell research. says so something else. Uh,
0: I've I've said many times before, anytime that we talk about political subjects on this show, we're not going to try and tell you which one you should support. Yeah. That's not what we're here for. You know, go make up your own mind. But we're just going to – we're going to tell you what the artist is saying. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not an endorsement from us one way or another. He said the whole point of his is not about whether it's pro-life or pro-choice. It's about the whether or not people should just be flippantly uh, having abortions just for the sake of it, because he's saying, um, you know, uh, I'm not an animal and he's uh, like he's he's. Going through the fact of how this is a pretty horrifying experience. Yeah, Um, he said. Also, he he pulled a lot from his own experience growing up that his mother had lots of miscarriages, and that, and this is this is kind of gruesome. You know, I think I think everyone just in general knows that this is not a G rated episode. (laughs) Yeah, he said that oftentimes he would have to uh to take the uh the miscarried fetus out of the house to the outside bathroom. And that mm-hmm. was something that always stayed with him and just and that he just that was that was something that was imprinted on his mind. And so he's like, that's the view I've always had about these situations. I've seen it, I've seen the outcome of it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: he's saying that I think that it's equally irresponsible to bring a child into the world that you are not equipped or willing to take care of, but also at the same time to just carelessly without any um, uh, any thought of just, you know, I just don't want this baby. And because I have the ability to, I'm just going to do it. That's what he's saying. Like that's, you know, she don't want a baby that looks like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not a discharge. I'm not a loss in protein. I'm not a throbbing squirm. Like Mm -hmm. he's, you know, that's, he's being incredibly graphic and gruesome about this Mm -hmm. because, and in a way he's, he's presenting the reality of the situation. He's, he's taking a, a topic that is more controversial today than it ever has been and is making you look right at it kind of like he's saying like look at this don't look away don't blink don't try and imagine this as a nice situation this is the reality of it yeah and i mean i think that the 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 brilliant punk rock part of this song is when he starts yelling f this f that like that's that had to have been the most shocking thing to do in a song up to that point in in popular music history. I mean the fact that the fact that they were able to release the record with that moment on there is amazing to me.
1: That's uh... and it's it's so effective. That's intense for today's standards.
0: Yeah, I mean that Indeed. is I mean that is sheer punk rock. I we're think re- that this is I think this is the most punk rock song they ever made.
1: The, we're we're reaching carcass levels of graphic descriptions of uh-huh things and yet we're in 1976 77 This is
0: this, this would have been I, this is one this is also another uh, um, another song that uh, was written fairly late into the process. so I, yes. I'm pretty sure that this was written in 77.
1: Wow, jeez. Jeez and I and from a musicals perspective, it's the same thing. like the same I should say the same template, maybe not the same thing. I mean, Steve just, Jones says
0: this is his favorite song that they did.
1: I mean I it's very hard to analyze like my music theory brain is short circuiting right now because there's just there's nothing there that's like you, you pick apart. I mean it's 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 music it's music by people who aren't trying to write something necessarily Revolutionary from a musical perspective.
0: No, I mean, well, the fact that there is nothing there is the revolutionary part, right? This,
1: and that's so—it's uh, so meta. It's so meta, like the, like you, the the think outside the box that every artist wish wishes they could do. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone who wants to be the next Nirvana or the next, you know, Beatles or whatever. And, and get that lightning in the bottle moment of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we never thought of music this way is like, wants to do something like that this is such simple music, it's the same rhythm, it's the same chords, it's the same key it's the same scale it's
0: and like yet, the, there's just something else to it there's just something else, yeah
1: oh my gosh, yeah anyway but yeah, and and you still got that driving that I guess has has made its way into modern punk, and mm-hmm. really has made its way into a lot of a lot of metal. Um, I remember, like, if you ever seen Star Trek: vo- The Voyage Home. No, I have not. Oh my gosh! Okay, what I'm not a, a
0: super Star Trek
1: person. What what a, what a great movie! Okay, so I am a super Star Trek. person person so they I won't bore anyone with the details of the movie but they're back in 1990s San Francisco and for reason plot point in the movie and they're on a um, bus and somebody's playing and it I don't think it was a Sex Pistols song I think it was like a like a punk song that like Gene Roddenberry's nephew wrote or something or no it was gene roddenberry's nephew playing this punk kid and he's playing stuff that sounds just like this where it's just like that driving because it's become a stereotype now that it's like that's what and he was of course wearing the mohawk and had like the the... i know what i know what you're talking about because i've seen that moment Mm -hmm.
0: even if i haven't seen the scene like it's like i can imagine i i feel like i've seen that a picture of it like i know i know what you're talking about
1: yeah, it's just it's because it's become a stereotype that like that okay. that musical trope that da 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 is is like with that vocal rhythm, like that vocal verse construction where it's just so straightforward, like da 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 da
2: da
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna not this is this is what happens when my music theory head well my aspiring music theory head is fed something so simple it just short circuits and starts talking about Star Trek. <laughs> it's it it's my brain feels pretty vacant right now. Ah good job <laughs> That was a li- that was a bit of a stretch, but I'm still pretty proud of that one. So Oh it's it starts- so,
0: so pretty.
1: Yep, that's our next song, Pretty Vacant. And it starts uh, it starts real rear view mirror-like. We have a little bit different of uh we got some musical variation, but of course we're still in A and we still got the same mid-tempo. So what are we what are we talking about in Pretty Vacant?
0: So this was actually one of the first songs that they wrote. Uh, This was, this was still when Glenn was in the band and he wrote the majority of this song and, and came up with the idea of pretty vacant. Um, He had heard somewhere, someone somewhere talk about um, how their generation was the lost generation. Mm -hmm. And so he, he just, he came up with this, with this lyrical ideas, they're, they're pretty vacant and it's, you know, it's it's the play on just saying, you know, they're so pretty, yeah, pretty vacant. Of just it's a it's a it's a generation, it's of people that are completely lost. They have they feel like they have no purpose, nowhere to go in life. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, society. If you weren't born into the right family, if you weren't born into the right amount of money, that you're gonna you're gonna spend your entire life dissatisfied and pushed down and oppressed. Mm. There's no wow. point in asking. you'll get no reply. Oh, just remember, I don't decide. I got no reason. it's all too much. You'll always find us out to lunch
1: that's uh that's real that's really punk right there that's mm-hmm. real that's really rage against the machine if you really if you really think about it very um anti elite i guess quote unquote if i had to analyze that from a social perspective i'm not i'm yeah. not a political scientist so i could be completely wrong <laughs> but that's what that's what i'm feeling is it's it's anti-establishment you know kind of it's nihilist thing. yeah yeah
0: yeah it's pretty much kind of like you know this this generation has nothing to to work for they have they don't have the It's one of the, it was one of the big differences between England and America, not saying that America's all that much better, but, um, at least in America, there was this, there was this general feeling that, you know, if you weren't born into the right circumstance, you had the ability, the American dream of you can, you can bring yourself from nothing to become something. Mm -hmm. That was not true in england especially not in 1970s england or really kind of the entire era of post-war england because all of these policies and all of these social standards are all you know indirect results of
1: uh of world war Two. well that really sucks that's that's something so, that you kind of get you kinda get taught here in America, like ah, oh, the American dream. You can be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. I just I expected that that all all Western countries were like that all the time, but yeah. I now again,
0: I I am not at all going to pretend to be a. Uh, a competent sociologist whether or not all the things that they're saying are true I have no idea especially the fact that I didn't grow up in that place or that time and so it could be that they're completely complaining about something that they had the ability to to do something about but it could not have been I don't know hmm so, um, you know, I just uh, want to I just, just want to put that disclaimer. I'm not I'm, I don't want to make declarative statements on things that at the end of the day, you know, I don't I don't really know. All I'm going off of is the historical perspective and the, the fact that a large majority of the people felt this. So I'm going to incline that it was probably true. Yeah,
1: I, I can definitely that if the vast majority of, of people also felt like this, then of course they would get big. Mm-hmm. That, oh, somebody's actually saying... Pe- yeah. People tend to respond to, to, to ugly like that. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's something that they completely agree with. Um... But, yeah, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not the political scientist either or the sociologist or whatever term is correct. But seeing seeing things through the eyes of, of an artist is easy when that artist is good at, mm-hmm. at what they do. And especially, like, in the lyric sense, when you have a good lyricist who's like, who says it like it is and gets their point across exactly the way that needs to be... It's it's going to resonate with the people it's supposed to, and it's going to send that message to the people it's it needs to get sent to, yeah, in, in good and bad ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One interesting thing about Johnny's uh, lyric style is that he would keep the lyrics a secret from the band until it was time to rehearse. Oh, and because he would he would secretly go off in the corner because he didn't like people to like know what he was working on. And especially with the shocking nature of some of the things he was saying, he loved to have that initial reaction of them going, oh, oh, okay, we're going there. Okay.
1: That's, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. That's kind of cool. So, shock value. We mentioned this next song heavily in our last segment. Mm-hmm. God save the queen. Yeah,
0: I was a part of me was just like I hate to to already spill info but I it's we had to talk about it to a certain extent to because it's I would say no song of theirs is more important to the story of the Sex Pistols than God save the queen.
1: Now we get to talk in depth about the song itself.
0: Yes. Oh man, what a great song.
1: Yes. Yes, so so more very simple stuff, but but beneath it is that censor-worthy lyrics. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say on top of it is the censor-worthy lyrics. And here's,
2: so, the,
0: here's the crazy thing, and Johnny pointed this out. He says it's like, there's nowhere in this are we saying we should kill the queen mm-hmm. or anything crazy of that nature. All we're saying is that, you know, she needs to be removed from power, but not in any kind of violent or, you know, disgusting way. We're just, we're just, you know, we're just telling the truth as we see it. And yet it's created this giant, you know, crap storm of, of a media circus. And he was just like, I just, I find that so interesting that people were so, um, offended and outraged by people who were just simply telling the truth Hmm. he's like we weren't he was like we weren't shocking for the sake of being shocking and he said this was not written from the perspective of a man who hates his country i wrote god save the queen because i love this country and i love these people and i'm tired of seeing them being taken advantage of
2: hate
1: hate the government not the people Mm-hmm. So, some people might say that that's a very patriotic stance.
0: Yeah, and in a way he is because he, uh, he has said that he's just like, I do love my country, and that's why it makes me so mad when I see that it's in the state that it's in mm-hmm. because it should be better, and mm-hmm. – and the people in power should be held in better accountability and they're not.
1: So what is he what does he say cuz he says god saved the queen we mean it man or whatever. I think that that's one
0: of those things that's like you could you could take that two ways. Um he's it could be that he is saying, you know, um that maybe without divine he maybe it's it's from the perspective he does want things to be better. Maybe it takes divine intervention to snap the queen out of her apathetic stance and to get her to do something.
2: Mm-hmm. Or okay, or makes- it's
0: or it's completely sarcastic, saying you know that it's we don't we don't actually care about you. We just want you gone.
1: Okay, that's that's very different from what I. Thought because I thought he had said, like, God save the queen from whatever we're about to do to the monarchy, kind of thing. And it was like, no. Oh, we're coming, be praying. No, okay, okay. So,
0: uh, so yeah, that was it's it's such it's so interesting because. It, so this was the song that uh that caused the government to become so terrified of them. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, you the the fascist regime, they made you a moron. Uh, I love the line of she ain't no human being.
1: The and lizard then, people in control.
0: Uh, well the whole point of it was that she's she's nothing but a figurehead. Because in reality, the queen doesn't hold any real power, right? But but also simultaneously, the queen represents everything about England. Mm-hmm. Like she, um, the queen kind of like is the the mascot of England, and and embodies everything that England represents. Yeah, and so um, as long as the queen, in his mind, is is forgetting about the normal people, then nothing's going to change. Okay. That that the real power that the queen has is her influence. And so what he's saying is that she's not a human being in the sense of like that she's able to do anything. She's a puppet. She is a, a cardboard cutout of a person to hold up to the mass people and say bow down and respect me. Give me your blind loyalty, even though I'll do nothing back for you in return.
1: Uh, yeah, that it's uh, very anti-punk, so to speak. Mm-hmm. To give it, and then
0: and then we have the iconic uh, "No Future," which really, in of itself, became like the the motto and the rallying cry of the entire punk movement scene. No future. No future for you, no future for me. And yet at the same time, he says that we're the future, we're your future.
1: That was going to get real nihilist for a second. No future.
0: He's pretty much, in a way, he's saying that, you know, you are accusing us of being so messed up and so crazy, but you're the ones that made us this way. We wouldn't be like this if you had done your job. We are the future that you created, and we're the future that you're afraid of. Uh, okay. And you're not taking any responsibility for for the situation that we're in.
1: Hmm. That's, that, is a, that is a interesting... Why would that get censored? Well, I guess it was just not in in that era that just didn't. Have...
0: No, no of, one but... had ever, no one had ever done something like. Yes, you have the protest songs of, of like the Vietnam War, like back in the '60s. Mm-hmm. But even still, like nothing. There was never a you know impeach the president song back then. And then on top of that again remember this was released during the jubilee week when the entire country the whole focus of the country was to pay respect to the queen
2: wow yeah
0: like if you they literally could not have picked a a worse or better time (laughs) to release this song Mm -hmm. during it'd be like if uh someone released the most scathing anti-american song on the 4th of July on like the on the 250th anniversary, which is going to come up in a couple years the 250th anniversary of the founding of our country if someone released on that day this you know america's a shame you know and things the timing was very important
1: to the reaction to this song well, hey, so I guess that's a, that's an open door for any American punk artists who are looking for some uh, popularity. Years.
0: Yeah, take our ideas. <laughs> we know what we're talking about. <laughs> and then uh, one other one other cool story about the song is that um, their their grand idea, the thing to kind of sell everything home was that they were going to uh, um, they were going to go on a ship out in the, in the Thames which went right in front of the parliament building and they were going to play this song live because again they were now at the point to where no venues were letting them play anywhere so they are just like well the way we get around that is we go play on the water and we're going to play right in front of the of the building we're going to play this and we're going to play Anarchy in the UK but unfortunately, the authorities figured out what they were doing beforehand and completely uh, uh, shut the whole operation down. So they didn't oh, get that, to do it.
1: That'd have been so awesome. That'd have, mm-hmm. that have been real rock and roll right there. Yep. Wow. Okay. That would have been an
0: that would have been an all time iconic moment had they succeeded in doing it. Yeah. That would have that would have eclipsed the Bill Grundy incident.
1: That would that would uh, made it to the top ten position of every iconic moment in music history. Had that pulled, that's just a it's a missed opportunity. Well, not a missed opportunity, an unfortunate um, reality. Yeah, that would well. have been that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so our next song, which you just mentioned a little bit about, I guess, is uh, I honestly thought it was EMA because of Johnny Rotten's very strong accent, but it's actually
0: EMI.
1: EMI, yeah. With Elektra and EMI, we'll show you where it's at. Well, I guess not anymore. So,
0: Oh, nice Queen reference.
1: Yeah, well, that line always stuck out to me about that song. So anyway. I applaud you, sir. EMI you got the mid-tempo a rock and i guess we're talking about uh EMI really screwing them over. Yeah, this is this is a diss track. So they wrote this
0: after after EMI dropped them from their label. And yeah, this is this just, <laughs> just the the moral of the story is just don't piss off John <laughs> cause he's, gon- he's gonna send it right back to you mm-hmm. too many people had the sus, too many people support us, an unlimited amount, too many outlets in and out mm-hmm. we are ruled by none, never ever never and you thought that we were faking, that we were all just money making you do not believe we're for real or would you lose your cheap appeal
1: ooh don't Ooh. judge
0: a book just by the cover, unless you cover just another. And blind acceptance is a sign of stupid fools who stand in line
1: like EMI. So this is so this is like a uh, death on two legs, flick of the wrist type of song where they're in it, they're in the middle of the the fight with the music industry. So it's it's legit. Oh, they weren't in they weren't in a fight. It was done.
0: They they made money off of EMI dropping them, but still at the same time, like, you know, yeah, they made money, but they, that means that their plans to get their album released. And of course, EMI was trying to paint them as the bad guys that it was, that it was the sex pistols fault. Mm -hmm. And just the entire spirit of the situation Mm -hmm. just irritated them because if there's anything that the sex pistols can't stand is poser fake BS.
1: Oh boy.
0: I mean, I would say that this is the greatest music industry roast song ever. Ever? I would say so. Ooh. Because it's not just that it's a diss. Like, they are saying exactly who did it.
2: Uh, it's, it's the true. name,
0: it's the freaking name of the song. Oh, and for good measure, at the very end, when they say, hello, EMI, good, they throw in A&M, because A&M was the next label that picked them up and then dropped them because they were afraid of their reputation. Wow. And then gives them that <clears throat> at the end.
1: Yeah. When I first heard that, I was like, that's a little weird. And the track, I'm like, oh, okay, it makes sense. He's just really just. He's got to have the last word. Uh huh. Kind of
0: thing. And the thing is, is that that is the album closer. So that uh-huh. is literally the final word.
1: Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Wow.
0: And also, just this song is. Like. Yeah. Let it not be like we're we're talking about you know all of the great lyricism and the the politics and the and but like even though we're saying that the music is simple, gosh dang it's it's still in a way like good pop music.
1: Yeah. Hey, like, simple the whole, mean when, that. The, when
0: the when the band comes in with the chant of the am I? Uh, like, I was just about to say that. Oh. Yes. That's just so like good. pure pop music.
1: It's so good. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like it's 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 mixed so well to just be like happy, but also screw you.
0: Mm-hmm. What a great blend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really. Man, oh man. It's 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 this art that they mastered without having to try, because it's authentic. Mm-hmm. They were they were so good at just instantly going from having no writing experience at all to go straight from the heart to the speakers. And that really, that is something that you can't learn or teach. Well, maybe you could learn, but it's it's it's. either got it or you don't yep at the end of the day and they had it you know they didn't they didn't know how to do their instruments necessarily very well but they knew what was good and they worked towards that and then you get something that that sounds catchy that is also like screw you and is also you know and Mm -hmm. resonates with people it's ah man because it's authentic and authenticity is what is is what people like to hear sometimes so anyway we have time for the grand finale the the grand finale the the big widely covered song that i like the megadeth version of and i was surprised to hear the speed go way down in this version but you know there's the Sex Pistols. They just play it the way they play it. So here we go: Anarchy in the UK. All right, all right. Yep. Right now. Mm-hmm. So are we are we actually talking about bringing a anarchic revolution upon the United Kingdom? Um. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh. Okay. We are. I thought it was just going to be like a. Metaphor. Okay, never mind.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure that if if Johnny got his way, that it would have been anarchy. Not in. And what I learned was that like anarchy isn't like the catch-all, just like chaos, destruction mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, it's just it
1: means that you take the power away from those on top and give it back to the people. Yeah, I I have some. Some friends who had called themselves anarchists, and when they first told me that, I was like a little concerned. I was like, "Oh, so you want like a lot of chaos and stuff?" And they explained it to me. They're like, "No, we we want. We believe that you know we should have roads and we should have you know these certain services given to us, but we want them to not come from the government because the government sucks." Which I can imagine is what he's saying as well. It's like I don't want people to get hurt. I don't want want people to to you know, chaos to ensue and it to turn into a war zone. But I just really don't like the way things are happening right now. So let's try something else. Which I mean, that's I'm not one to, to I don't want to push the scales either way, right? But there's there's a strong Argument to be said and like I don't like the way that things are, so let's try something else, right? Um, so there you go. He doesn't. He doesn't want. He don't want anybody getting hurt, which I guess is good. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> as opposed
1: well, to as opposed to to modern black metal bands.
0: Now, is is there a greater opening line than "I am, I am an anarchist," or as an anarchist. So well, there listen, is. Uh,
1: please allow me to introduce myself. But I um, mean, I question that it's it's those one, two really do go toe to toe. It's
0: what one saying. of the lines of all.
1: Yeah, it's just like whoa. Okay,
0: <laughs> for for just about
1: everybody, this was the first
0: thing from the sex. Because this was their first single. Wow! Now this, this was released in '76, and this mm-hmm. was this was before even Sid Vicious was in. Wow! Wow! So okay. I mean, this
2: is this this is this, this is simply the genesis of the Sex Pistols.
0: Is this song? Not that they wrote it first, although Johnny Rotten has also said that this was the first lyric he ever wrote from the for the band, although he didn't write the rest of the song right there at the moment. He said that when he first started writing, the first line was, I am an antichrist, but then he got stuck there because he
2: like, nothing rhymes with that.
0: And that birthed in him this love of putting together words that don't rhyme because, the heck, why should they rhyme? Why is the rule that things have to rhyme? whenever oh, i can, think about that whenever i can song. put together things that sound great just as they are
1: you don't really think about that in this song that's crazy i never realized that but do you know who had a big problem with that oh
0: i bet it was glenn glenn he hated it oh, he was like you God. can't you can't rhyme antichrist and anarchist and and john was just like who What's it to you? I can rhyme things and put things together however I want.
1: Come on, Glenn. Open your
0: mind. I mean, I understand. That's that's a that was a complete radical walk away from the way things.
1: Yeah, no, I, I
0: yeah. That's that that was inc- that's that was very controversial. Mm-hmm but I would say that um, that Anarchy in the UK is the smells-like teen spirit of the 70s. Wow. It's the song that when it came out, like, everything changed. God Save the Queen was, like, the moment where it reached its mass effect, but really the punk movement was born with Anarchy in the UK. Wow. It's got- I have... It's just so anthemic too. It's like the rallying cry. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the punks national anthem. <laughs>
1: All rise for the emo national anthem. <laughs> Boy, yeah. I I can see it. I mean, cause cause I remember watching Motley Crue do it live, and I was and I thought it was like an original by them. I don't know why because it doesn't sound like anything else they do but uh, and it was just like it was all especially the chorus it was just major chords and it was just I wanna be an RK you know and and that's such a like a simple line
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like almost childlike delivery yeah and with the major key, it just makes it kind of sound innocent. That it's just it it's it's like primal. It is so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess like no one sounds like this. I can't I can't even think of an analogy. I like to throw in analogies every once in a while. You do um, Long-time listeners will know that. I cannot think of anything right now. It's just nothing sounds like this. But, yeah, I guess that's that's my analysis of anarchy in the UK. It was very profound. I can take it to TED Talk length if anybody wants to. But, well, I I probably can't. That's probably the whole talk. Well, um, yeah, because...
0: I, I had said that I was going to make some uh, some comparisons to Nirvana and Nevermind mm-hmm. because I'm in my opinion this album and Anarchy is co- I think it's directly um, comparable to um, Nevermind and Smells
1: Like Teen Spirit. Was I, uh, Was Kurt Cobain a Sex Pistols
0: fan? Yes, and he has been very vocal about how they have were a big influence on him. Wow. But I just, I think that there's, there's hardly any other albums and songs that when they came out, the entire music landscape changed. Yeah. And to where it was this instant, not just musical, but like this entire cultural revolution. Like when grunge hit in the nineties, it wasn't just about the music, like everything eighties died. Yeah. And in the 70s, like when punk happened, you realize that, like, a lot of the great, like, early 70s bands, once you hit 76, 77, most of them hit a big creative wall. It's when the Rolling Stones stopped producing great records. Um, you had Led Zeppelin trying to figure out how do we exist in a punk world.
1: Uh, all the prog bands like died. Yeah. They had to evolve. They had to take five years to just change exactly what they were doing.
2: Mm
0: hmm. And um, again, I don't want to take away um, the significance of the other punk groups. But at the end of the day, like, it was the Sex Pistols that made it happen more mm-hmm. than anyone else. And, and, and in particular, this song. This was the song that got them on the Bill Grundy show where they had that amazingly fantastic meltdown that pretty much launched punk into the spotlight.
2: Yeah, wow.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah.
0: So I, I will say that Anarchy in the UK is the is the 70s equivalent of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Where before, the 70s were the 70s, and it's bloated magnificence. But then, as soon as this song came along, like, all of those bands lost their jobs overnight, pretty much. (laughs) And it very much became an adapt-or-die situation.
1: Kind of sucks for everybody else, but... That's the way music is.
0: I mean, honestly, we need something like that to happen again.
1: We what do you mean? nothing
0: nothing nothing like that has happened since
1: Nevermind. Yeah. We're we're overdue. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Beatles and the Sex Pistols.
0: I would say, I would say there Nevada. was three times. There's been three, and I've said this before, there's three times when music has had a hard knee jerk change the first time was when the beatles came to america and beatlemania happened the second time was the sex pistols and then the third time was nirvana
1: we're overdue I,
0: I mean look at the company that you're that they're sitting with this this little band that released one album but honestly i'll continue that thought when we get to final thoughts
1: Okay. Well, then there you go. I guess it's a good transition moment.
0: Hanger alert.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right.
0: So we're going to take a break, and I'm going to try and stop myself from getting ahead. And we're going to come back and give our final thoughts about the Sex Pistols. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We have been talking about the Sex Pistols and about the six songs that we had picked for this episode. Just as a recap, those songs were Holidays in the Sun, Bodies, Pretty Vacant, God Save the Queen, EMI, and Anarchy in the UK. Remember, the way that you can go check these songs out, and I would highly recommend that you do, it would be a shame if you listen this far into the episode and you don't listen to the songs. uh, There's a link in the description of the episode that takes you to a Spotify playlist where you can listen to not only these songs, but all the songs from our previous episodes as well. Even if you know these songs and you are a fan, I would recommend listening to them in this order. You just might get a new experience out of it. It's time for final thoughts. So, Grant, you stood at a five. You were fairly unaware. You knew they were, and you knew about the song Anarchy in the UK, but you didn't know their version of it. Where do you stand now here at the end of this episode?
1: Um, well, that's a good question. I would say that because of the different flavors between six and seven, I'd have to say that I'm like a really, really strong six. I I'm like way higher than a six, probably like an eight, if we're talking about like the philosophy of the band. I think they're they're pretty rock and roll. I kinda let like me that. let me
0: just influence your decision a little bit. Okay. You have heard, you have heard just about half of their
1: discography now. Right, 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 right. And i I've I figured as much. So now, there's like, not gonna be the thing of I've gotta listen to more
0: of their right. songs
1: necessarily. Mu- musically speaking though. Like my ears are not attuned to something like this. You know what? I'll, I'd have to say. You know what? More than I'm saying it, I gotta. I gotta put them at a seven. I do actually kind of like these songs. They just kind of. They kind of grab you. Like you don't want to like them. I was literally about to say. You know, I don't like these songs, but I'm like, I actually I, I kind of do. I can't. I can't lie to myself and be like, Oh, I don't like these songs. I was actually like joking around with one of my friends before editing this or editing. Wow. Recording this episode of like, Oh, I'm just going to go pretend that I like the sex pistols. And and I was like totally expecting like fake my reaction here, which, Oh, now, you know, what is my real opinion anyway? But no, I, I, what is real? What is real? (sighs) But no, I liked, I liked listening to songs like on repeat. I listened to them over and over and over today in preparation and it was just so much fun. I was writing my, I was writing my physics research paper, my condensed matter physics research paper while listening to the sex pistols. That was just a weird experience. That's, that goes right up there with playing Pokemon while listening to Duran Duran. Just a, just an all around holistic, um, like mind warping experience, but no, it was really fun to listen to these songs. And just kind of experience them and not try to delve deep into the analysis and delve deep into oh there's this key change in time signatures and ooh there's this lyrical theme that shows up later in the song and it's like the lyrics are all twisted and whatever and ooh you know the type of stuff that we that we will do in next episode right Right. Or that we did for our Dream Theater episode. Or we did for our Genesis episode. Or all the other episodes that we have so much fun doing. This was like a completely different thing. And that's one of the things that I talked about in, in our our 2021 recap that I have tried to learn. Is just to exist in the song and just experience it. And just be like, you know, this is a good song. There's no reason why it's good. I can't really quantify why. It's just, I like the feeling that it gives me and i'm glad that we talked about the link between the sex pistols and nirvana because um kurt cobain was such a big fan of outsider music and of course outsider music for those of you who don't know is music made by people who are not musicians and there's a very there's very famous instances where um i think and i can't remember the name of the band but it was three Sisters and their father went to a psychic. Um, I know, I know that, who you're. Ta- I can't yes. remember the
0: name, but I know who you're talking yes. about. Yes,
1: so, 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 their father went to a psychic and was like, "Oh, they're going to become famous musicians." So he pulled them out of school, bought them instruments, and then sent them right to the studio to make an album because he was like, "Oh, they're going to be super famous and whatever." So they made this album having no idea how to write songs, and you know, a a non critic right someone who would just listen to the music and just be like oh this is bad you you'd be right like from a perspective of a normal listener this would be bad music but yeah depending on who you ask that's like the worst album ever made right but it's utterly original and you could make the argument with the sex pistols that they're an outsider band that made it they didn't know how to play their instruments very well. They didn't really know how to write a song very well. But they had a formula that worked, right? They, they made music that resonated with people. They made music that was utterly and undeniably original. And that's important in music, right? That, the Beatles did that, right? Nirvana did that, right? And they changed everything. And so you could make the argument that, like the, the sex pistols do deserve their position from a from a musical perspective because they did something that no one else did, <coughs> and it was primed to resonate with people. and Lucas is sick, and I'm so sorry.
0: No, no, I was just drinking some water.
1: Oh. <laughs> no, I am not sick. Oh, okay, I didn't want to get I didn't want to get the the Rona through the uh, remote call. Oh, is that is that what the new variant does? Didn't want to get the digital variant of the Rona. Anyway, that's that's my whole <laughs> uh, that's my whole link everything to the tapestry of music that that the Sex Pistols are the outsider band that made it. Maybe that's a bad representation, but I think that's I think that's fair, and I think that's that's really cool. And they're very rock and roll, and you gotta like the rock and roll aspect. And I really I just I like that. <laughs> I liked our part one for this episode. Anyway, Lucas's final thoughts are coming up. It's the main event. Get excited! Let's get a round of applause. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. So, um, I was already
0: getting fired up um, before on the last segment. I was just like, "Wait a minute! Not the time or the place. I need to. Uh, uh, I need to. I need to do this." here in a minute uh so like i was saying the sex pistols did something that few other bands ever got to have the opportunity to do which is to be at that that crossroads moment where they got to be a part of that period where everything changed and they weren't just there to witness it they made this, this little band with one album by people who could barely play their instruments and were considered the the, the, the scourge of, of modern society came in and changed things forever. And I would say for the better, there are of course, like with Nirvana, like with the Beatles, like there are gonna be there will always be people that come in and and taint. The final product, Mm -hmm. but uh, time—you know—they—they did something that can never be taken away from them. They kicked music in its butt and got everyone to wake up and see, hey, there is there's something different that can be done, and they inspired an entire new generation of artists and musicians in a way that just few other bands ever have. I'm going to say that for me, I'm going up to an eight. I did not at all expect to like this as much as I did, especially with the limited amount of time that I spent with all this material, which is still amazing to me that I got this much out of it. Um, Like, it's, it's just, it's so impressive to me that they just, they did so much with relatively so little. And I mean, they just, they just, they just freaking did it. And I don't know what else to say for that. Like, I can see myself coming back to these albums to listen to them again, or this album singular and mm-hmm. I just I, I think that this is a band that I'm going to I'm going to return to over and over again because I understand the philosophy, I understand the attitude, I understand the importance of what it is that they were doing. And for the grand scheme of the story of music, they left a permanent mark.
1: Yeah, they did. Now, what was your favorite song? Ooh, what was my favorite song? Man, you know, that's a tough question, because they all sound the same.
0: No, but... they don't.
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I liked I liked the bridge of EMI. Um uh, that that one definitely sends it over the top compared to the other ones. But at the same time, it's like Anarchy in the UK. Like I, I have a special connection to that song just because I like all all of the versions that I've heard of it.
0: Mhm.
1: And like You do, you, you that, are gonna
0: have a bias to that.
1: You got you got the anthemic chorus and it's just like what's good is good, what you like is what you like. So I'm just gonna have to say, you know what, I'm gonna be basic. I'm gonna go with Anarchy in the UK but hey, if you if you got any beef, just leave it in the review. Leave it in the one star review that you leave of the of the podcast and tell me how I'm not a musician because I like anarchy in the UK and not something else <laughs> but yeah no like, I
0: you, you can be like that one guy that left as a one-star review that just said do kiss it'll be your biggest episode <laughs> do kiss yeah
1: and it actually has performed pretty well so to be fair you know but I'm... and 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 I, I did make the quip about how oh they all sound the same but it's like that's not a bad thing like they found a formula that works. All these songs, like they're good. ACDC sounds
0: the same, but yeah, God bless them, don't change.
1: Yeah, and they're and they're a huge band. And no one's gonna deny that. Like some of their songs are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But all that to be said, it's just it's you just have to feel the music. And Anarchy in the UK made me feel the most gave Thank you them gave you the feels gave me the feels it it made me want to destroy possibly <laughs> perfect or maybe not maybe not anyway um for me
0: man I just I think bodies is just it's the it's the it's the one that hits you just at that that right visceral space I just I think bodies is just it it was the it was the perfect punk rock statement Mm -hmm. and I think it's the one that I get it's weird because of the subject matter but it's like it's the one I get excited the most to listen to
1: yeah that (laughs) that is a little weird
0: but you, 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 you guys know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would say that 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 one was my favorite. But in the in the the ranking of things, all six of these are the top six. But again, that's that's a little more understandable considering that I have much less material to work with.
1: Yeah, how long was the list?
0: It was, out- was twenty three songs.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Hour
0: and fifteen minutes.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: So the 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 listing was uh, number six, "Holidays in the Sun." Then pretty vacant. Then EMI. Then Bodies. Then "God Save the Queen," and then Anarchy at number one. Ooh.
2: So even though I
0: didn't pick uh, Anarchy as my favorite, I can still acknowledge again it's it's a it's a decade defining song you know, a song like that is gonna, is gonna be, you know, at the top. You can't deny its importance and just, you know, there's there's nothing compositional about it
1: that you can take away. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. What a, what a very action-packed episode. Maybe I should just spend 2 days of research on every No, that would never work. No, that would never
0: work. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz the only, literally the only I was able to free up a lot of time in those 2 days for the other things because of the fact that I only had 2 uh or 1 hour which ended up equaling to 2 hours of music listening time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's something that um That in the future, I I cannot do. But at the same time, I kind of just expected a little bit for this to be like a rush through. But man, I'm so glad that I got all of the stuff out of it that I did.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, listeners,
0: thank you so much for, uh, for hanging in there with us for listening, for supporting us. If you like what you are listening to, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday. And I promise that next time will be um, our music history episode. I got it right this time. We checked the
1: calendar beforehand.
0: Yes, it, it is correct now. So um, we hope to see you guys there. Our, uh, our first episode on the Romantic Period is going to be really, really cool. Even if you are not into uh, those kinds of episodes, I promise you're going to want to check this out. It's going to be a really just crazy episode.
2: Yes. And
0: so cool. uh, we hope to see you guys there. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and on Facebook. That is the best place for you to uh, get into the conversation. Let us know what artists you want us to talk about in the future. And um, if you want to um, leave a review, that's another place that you can uh, let us know what you think about the podcast and what episodes you want to see in the future. And uh, there's two links in the description. I was like, I know I'm forgetting something. I'm trying to think of what it is. Uh, the two links in the description you the- to, to that Spotify playlist. The other one takes you to our Patreon, where we're going to talk about the Sex Pistols' six worst songs. They're not—they're not too far away in the ranking from the ones we just talked about. But that's just purely from the perspective that there's just not that many songs to talk about. But. It's still going to be entertaining, I promise you. So you're going to want to check that out because we are going to have another uh, tournament at the end of the year where we decide what is the worst song that we have heard uh, the entire year. So you're going to want to make sure that you uh, don't miss that. That's going to be Patreon only as well as you'll get access to episodes uh, early before everyone else. So that's a nice little bonus. And that is it. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music.